Pastor Varun and Pastor Dala Hopperset would like to welcome you to the following message from New Hope International Church, Seattle, Washington. Here is Pastor Lau's dynamic teaching that will change your life with love, hope, and peace in Jesus Christ. Are you ready for the Word of God? Amen. Today the sermon is a little bit heavy, but I think we should hear something heavy off and on. Amen. I will try to make it a little bit light, but I cannot avoid being heavy <laughs> because it's a heavy message. Amen. Today, I would like to talk about eternity. And I think it's good many times that we visit this issue about eternity because we are so busy. We are so bombarded by the things of the world. Every day, we look in the internet. We read Facebook. We look into website. We read newspaper, we saw TV. A lot of things happen in the world, the economy, the politics, the wars, things going on, the murder, the criminal, all these things. And we kind of worry about what kind of job we're going to have, what kind of money we're going to make, what's going to happen to the retirement, are we having enough money, what's happened to this country. We worry about the things on earth. People care about life on earth here. But we forget one thing, that life on earth, when we compare to eternity, is very short. There are two places of eternity, eternal lake of fire or hell, and heaven. And I don't know about you, I choose to be in heaven. I don't want to be in eternal lake of fire. You say, Pastor Lau, you are a neurosurgeon. You talk about heaven and hell. Are you sure? You are a scientist. You are a neurosurgeon. You open somebody's brain all the time. But I believe that there is heaven and there is hell. Many people have seen hell. Many ministers have gone down almost to hell and they saw the fire there. And God picked them up and come out to be pastor now. Some of them have big churches. I listened to a testimony of a gynecologist who was a believer and he fell off a building. He died. He went up to heaven and met Jesus Christ. And he was talking to Jesus for a long time. And then Jesus sent him back. So he woke up in the hospital and the doctors and the nurses have to tear the chart note away because this man woke up from the dead. He was resurrected by God and he gave testimony. He went up to heaven and saw Jesus Christ. So we need to focus on eternity as well. Don't live your life just for the temporary things of the world. You know why? Because the way you live on earth will determine what happened to you in eternity. For example, whether you're going to be in hell or whether you're going to be in heaven. Or if you are in heaven, what kind of rewards you're going to have? What kind of mansion you're going to have? Are you going to have a small house? Are you going to go there empty hand? Or are you going to go there with a big truck of rewards, the crowd of righteousness, the crowd of glory, and you're going to be on the waterfront? Are you going to be closer to the throne of God or are you going to be far away from the throne of God? How much glory are you going to be? So we need to understand about eternity. The way we live on earth right now determine what we're going to have and who we're going to be in heaven for eternity. Everyone say eternity. Eternity means forever. We will be there and once we get there, you cannot change anymore. It's settled. 
You cannot go there and say, God, give me one more chance. I'm going to go back to the earth and do again. No, one chance only. There is no second chance to come back to the world. Amen. Today, the subject I want to talk about is a little bit controversial in the body of Christ. But if you read the scripture with the open heart, you will see that it's not controversial at all. But I believe that I need to educate the church so that we will not be deceived. And I believe that this teaching is like a vaccine. When you go to Africa or certain countries in Asia, you need to get a vaccine to protect you from getting some diseases, maybe malaria. You need to take some pill to protect you from that mosquito that bites you and gives you that parasite called malaria. You need to protect yourself. The same thing, this teaching today and next week going to be a vaccine or that pill to protect you from going the wrong way and you end up in hell unknowingly even though you are a member of a local church. I don't want to be surprised that day that some of our members are not there in heaven and I look down to hell and say, wow, that is a shock to me. I thought he's going to be here, but he is not here. But the Bible says clearly that not everyone who calls Jesus Lord, Lord will be in heaven. Amen. But in order to understand this subject, we need to read the Bible the way the Bible tells us. Some Christians have the preconceived idea from denominations or from Bible school or from books or from Mr. or Dr. so-and-so say something. So they have tinted glasses on their eyes, spiritual eyes. So when they read the Bible, they will only pick up the scripture or doctrine that they already believe and they cut certain issue out. i give you one example. A group of believers say that certain part of the Bible were written for believers. Certain parts were written for the non-believer. And certain parts were written for the Jews. Therefore, certain parts of the Bible, we don't have to care about it. And that is totally wrong. Because the Bible says that every scripture is inspired by the Holy Spirit. And it's good for teaching, rebuking, and training in righteousness. For who? For us believers. We cannot just pick up some scripture and say, I like it, I take it. And another scripture says, no, this is for the Jews, not for us and then erase it from the Bible. We need to obey and look at every scripture in the Bible. Amen? So that's what I'm going to talk about. If you read the Bible, and you agree with the Bible, even though you don't feel like it, even though you may not agree with it, but you take it and agree, even though your feeling and your background don't agree, we call the fear of the Lord. Amen? And when you have the fear of the Lord, it means you agree with God even though you don't understand, even though you don't feel like it to believing it. We call the fear of the Lord. And what happens when you have the fear of the Lord? The Bible says in Job chapter 28, verse 28, And to man he said, Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to depart from evil is understanding. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. When you walk in the fear of God, God will give you three things. And I hope that you 
seek these three things because you cannot buy with money. You cannot buy from going to University of Washington or Seattle U. These three things. Number one, wisdom from God. Two, knowledge of God. Three, understanding. Everyone say wisdom. wisdom. Understanding. And knowledge. I'm talking about the knowledge of heaven. I'm talking about the heavenly understanding that you can see from your spiritual eyes beyond the veil of the flesh. Sometimes people walk into you and say nice things to you. But with the spiritual eyes, you can see deep inside the wrong motive that that person tried to get money from you. That is wisdom that you cannot get from the school or from your classroom, but you get it from God. Amen? Now, let me read this scripture so that we can go into the lesson right now. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, Jesus said, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. When you read this scripture, don't misinterpret what Jesus said. Jesus did not say that we are saved by work. We are not saved because we go to church, because we give money to the church, because we read a lot of Bible. No, we are saved by grace. Jesus died for us. He paid for the sin for us. Because we believe in that gospel, we believe that Jesus died for us, we are saved. But if we truly follow God to the end, one thing that will show the sign that we follow God is we will do the will of the Father. Amen? A lot of people get saved. A lot of people come into the kingdom of God. Their names are recorded in the book of life. But later on, something happened to their life. And then they would not make it to heaven. That's what Jesus tried to say here. I'm going to read a lot of scriptures in these two Sundays preaching. If we really believe in Jesus, the Spirit of Jesus will come upon us and come in us and help us to be able to obey the will of the Father. But again, our salvation and our walk with God is a two-way thing. God did His part. He sent Jesus to die for us. He paid a price for us. He went to the cross. He suffered for us. That is His part. But we have to do our part as well. Even though we are not saved by doing, but we need to respond to what He did for us. Our part is to follow Him, die to self, and obey His command. And that is to prove that we really, really follow Jesus Christ. Amen? Look at what verse 22 and 23 say. Many will say to me in that day, what is that day? That day is the day of judgment. Jesus will come back on the last day and sit on the judgment seat of Christ. And on that day, you cannot avoid him. Everyone will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And on that day, some of them, God will say, on that day, many will say, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. 
on the judgment day, many people will come to Jesus and say, "Lord, Lord, I prophesy in your name. I was one of the members of the choir in your church. I was in the worship team. I was serving as a care group leader. I was in the ministry. I was the head ministry of the church." And the Lord Jesus said, "I never knew you because you practice lawlessness." The word lawlessness is anomia in Greek, which means acting contrary to the law and to the will of God. You can act like a ministry head. You can act like a care group leader. You can act like a pastor, but if your lifestyle, the word practice, what does it mean? In the medical field, we use the word medical practice. I'm a doctor. So wake up in the morning. I go to the hospital, make round, see patient, went to my office, and then saw my patients. Set up for surgery. On Monday, I wake up to go to the operating room, shave somebody head, shave somebody back, cut on the skin, perform the operation, and go home. And next day, I do the same thing. That is practice. Mean something that happened again and again and again on a regular basis, daily practice. So Jesus say, "You practice lawlessness." So this is not talking about a new believer who just come into church, just got saved, just believe in Jesus and love God, and still still struggling with some sin in their life, and they they kind of try to get rid of certain bad habits, struggling because of they are new believers. Jesus is not talking about somebody who are old believers who sometimes just stumbling. A stumbling into certain sin and repent and get out and say, oh, "I'm sorry, God, that day I had a bad attitude. I'm sorry, God, I'm not going to do that again." And it still happened to me today. I mean, I'm still struggling with some sin in my life because I'm a human being, and I have to repent and I have to ask God to change my thinking and change my attitude because I'm human. But I don't practice those things. I just stumbling into sin. And then get out as soon as possible and repent of my sin. Do you say, "Oh, pastor, Jesus was talking about a non-believer here"? That Jesus say, "I never knew you." But let me show you the scripture. He say, "Many people say I cast out demons in your name." Let me ask this question: Can a total non-believer cast out demons in Jesus' name? There's no way. If you are not a Christian filled with the Holy, actually, if you are not filled with the Holy Spirit, you may not be able to cast out demons either. You need to be filled with the Holy Spirit to cast out demons. So this person must be filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongue, because he can prophesy and he can cast out demons in Jesus' name. Actually, one part of the Bible talk about seven sons of Siva in Acts chapter 19. These seven men. Did not believe in Jesus, and they tried to exercise casting out demon in the book of Acts, chapter 19. They say, "We cast you out in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches." And look at what the Bible say in verse 15 to 16. And the evil spirit answered and said, "Jesus, I know, and Paul, I know, but who are you?" Then the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them, overpowered them, prevailed against them, so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. 
He said seven men could not fight with one man who had an evil spirit on the inside of him. These seven men were not born again Christians. They could not cast out demons. Amen. So Jesus was talking in Matthew chapter seven, verses twenty-one to twenty-three about believers, and Jesus said, "I never knew you." This Sunday, I'm going to talk about the first group of people. Who Jesus said, "I never knew you," and maybe I continue a little bit in the second group if I have time. But next Sunday, I'm gonna read a lot of scripture to show you that there are two groups of people. On that day, this group of people will stand before Jesus, and they may be even in the church. But when they stand before the judgment seat of Christ, Jesus say, "I never knew you." And the first group that I talk about is in First Timothy chapter six, verse five. The Bible talk about people who cause trouble in the house of God, and one of the group that cause trouble in the house of God are these people, useless wranglings of men of corrupt minds, destitute of the truth, who suppose that godliness is a means of gain. From such, withdraw yourself. The Bible say that we should disassociate with people who come to God for a personal gain. In other words, a group of Christians come to church at the beginning, have a pure faith, come to God and believe God, and come to church and love God. And after a while, demonic activity start to work in these people because they are seeking for money. They seek for personal gain, and what happened eventually? They begin to use God's name, use God's church to gain money, to get some personal benefit, and their heart for God start to get farther, farther, farther away from God. And I'm going to give you one example in the Bible. But before we go into one example in the Bible, let me explain a little bit about when Jesus said, "I never knew you." What does it mean? I never knew you. Does God know how many hairs you have in your head? Yes. Some of you may have a lot. Some of you may have a little. But God knows how many hairs you have. Amen. And God knows your name. God knows your address. But God knows even your email address. God knows everything about you. But when the Bible says, "I never knew you," it's not about knowing something about you. Look at what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1-3. Now concerning things offered to idols, we know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. If I have to choose, I choose love, not just knowledge. And if anyone thinks that he knows anything, he knows nothing, yet as he ought to know. But if anyone Loves God. This one is known by Him. So the Bible say that if you want to be known by God, you need to love God. You cannot just come to church and love money, and love something, love position, love to just socialize in a church. You need to love God. And how do we know that a person or a Christian loves God? 
Look at what the Bible says in 2 John chapter 1, verse 6. This is a sign of somebody who loves God. This is love that we walk according to His commandments. This is the commandment that as you have heard from the beginning, you should walk in it. We saved by grace. But after we saved, we really are overwhelmed by the love of God that Jesus died for us. Then we love Him back. Once we love Him back, we show our love by obeying and walking in His commandments. Amen? That is the way to show love to God. And when we show love to God by obeying His commandment, God say, I know you personally. Let's look at Amplified Bible in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 3. Amplified Bible explains more deeply about how God knows you. But if one loves God truly, with affectionate reverence, prompt obedience, prompt obedience, and grateful recognition of His blessing, He is known by God recognized as worthy of his intimacy and love, and he is owned by him. So when Jesus said, I never knew you, what it means is that he never knew you intimately. Pastor Da knows me very well. We live in the same house. She knows all of my weaknesses. She knows all of my strength. But many of you, may just know me that I'm Dr. Lau, Pastor Lau. I live in Bellevue. I practice at Overlake Hospital and Kirkland Evergreen. That's all you know about me. Maybe you know my last name, you know my email address, but you never know me intimately. Why? Because you never live in the same house I live in. The same thing here. God said, I know you if you obey me and you love me, and I know you intimately. That's why I preach this message to vaccine you. <laughs> Because I want to make sure that everyone make it to heaven. I don't want that day Jesus said to you, I never knew you on earth here. You are practicing lawlessness. Okay? And he said, depart from me. I never intimately knew you. Who are you? I don't know you. You say you believe in me, but you never... After a while, you just walk away from me. You just do your own things. You're just seeking your own benefit in the church. You are not following me anymore. And that can happen. One of the examples in the Bible is Judas Iscariot. Judas Iscariot started to follow Jesus Christ. He gave up his job. In John chapter 6, a lot of people departed from Jesus because he was teaching, was so strong that no one wanted to follow him. But Judas still followed him for three and a half years. He went through all the hardships with Jesus, all the rejections and criticism against Jesus with him for three and a half years. Judas was following Jesus. But in the course of three and a half years, something happened. I believe that demon came in. The demon of greed. The demon of pride. That's why we have to be careful. That's one of the reasons I practice the file of God to cast out demons in the church. Because you may not even know, you know, when you are deceived, you don't know. <laughs> That's why we call deceived. We call deception. But the person who are in deception don't even know what they're doing. 
And the only way to set that person free is to repent and agree with God that I'm wrong and cast demon out of them. Judas Iscariot was influenced and was attacked by Satan. He began to think about personal benefit. Matthew chapter 26, verses 14 to 16. Then Judas Iscariot, one of the 12 disciples, you need to understand Judas also cast out demons and preached the gospel. He was one of the disciples, one of the 12 apostles, went to the leading priest asking, how much will you pay me to betray Jesus to you? And they gave him 30 pieces of silver. From that time on, Judas began looking for an opportunity to betray Jesus. Judas was walking with Jesus for three and a half years, saw all the miracles, heard all the wonderful anointed teaching. But one day Satan came in and he began to think about personal benefit. Me, me, my vision, my need, me, 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 me. Pastor, you don't follow my need. You don't do what I say. I don't like you anymore. I'm going to get some benefit to destroy you. That's what happened to Jesus. Judas Iscariot began to betray Jesus and looking for money. Matthew 26, 25 say, Then Judas, the one who would betray him, said, Surely not I, Rabbi. Jesus answered, Yes, it is you. I mean, it is you who betray me. He even lied in front of Jesus. No, I'm not betraying you, but he got already 30 silver coins. So these people are deceived. Judas was totally deceived. He did not even see himself that he was betraying Jesus. He bluntly lied to Jesus. Pastor, I still loved you. But I have to share about your weakness and tell everyone in the world how bad you are. But I loved you. Not, not me, not me. So this is what happened to Judas Iscariot. Start to, start to think about me. I want money. I want to gain my own benefit. John chapter 12, verses 4 to 6 say, But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief, a, as keeper of the money back. He used to help himself to what was put into it. In other words, Judas Iscariot stole money from the offering bag. He was looking for personal benefit. He even rebuked that lady who poured a perfume on Jesus and said, Oh, this is a waste. Don't give to Jesus. This is a waste. This kind of person loves money more than God. They love money more than the anointing. He took money from the treasury bag. And what happened? Judas Iscariot eventually killed Jesus Christ. The book of Acts says that he went to his place. He went to hell. He did not go to heaven. He was following Jesus, but he supposed that godliness is for personal gain. My position, my money, my reputation, my success. I'm going to use God for my own success. I'm going to use God for my money. I want to get any benefit from God. So that's what happened. In John chapter 6, verses 70 to 71. Then Jesus replied, Have I not chosen you, the twelve? Yet 
one of you is a devil. He meant Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, who, though one of the twelve, was later to betray him. Jesus called Judas Iscariot a devil. It means that demon come into him and deceived him to betray Jesus, to seek money, to seek personal gain, and eventually he completely denied Jesus and walked away from the relationship with Jesus Christ. And this is the kind of person that Jesus would say on that last day, "I never knew you." How do you know people? How much they love God? You know, you see. You know by looking at their fruit, how they live. Amen. You can say sweet word from your mouth. I love God. I love you, Pastor. But in the action, you see the fruit that you love God or not. You see the fruit of your life to see you really love God or not by obeying what He say in the Bible. And I believe that that's why God put all this scripture in the Bible to warn all of us not to go into that direction. It's scary. That's the first group of people. Look at the second group. Some people are in the second group of people. They started well, having a good relationship with Jesus Christ. They go to church on fire, love God. They serve God. Everything look good at the beginning. But later on, something happened. Maybe the pride of life. Maybe the lusts of the eyes. Maybe the love of the world come in, and they began to walk away from Jesus. They deny Jesus. They don't want to walk with Jesus. They have no relationship with Jesus anymore. They don't love Jesus anymore. They maybe even hang out in the church because of society. It's a social club, but they don't have anything to do with Jesus. They never pray. They never read the Bible. They just kind of walk away. And you say, Pastor Lau. Are you sure you talk about this? No, it's not my idea. It's in the Bible. Let's look at the Bible. Let's start from Old Testament. Ezekiel chapter 18, verse 24. Ezekiel 18:24. But when a righteous man turns away from his righteousness and commits iniquity, okay. Let me stop here first before I go on. When God say a righteous man. Does it mean that man is a righteous man? Okay, if God calls somebody a righteous man, does God lie? No, it means that that man was really a righteous man. How do you become righteous? According to the Bible, you become righteous by faith. The righteousness of God come upon you because you put your faith in Jesus Christ. His blood cover you. The Father of he- in heaven look at you. And saw the righteousness of Jesus upon you, and you become righteous. That's why we call Christian saints. Saints mean righteous people. We are not righteous by our own good deeds. We are righteous by the blood of Jesus Christ. So everyone in this room who is a believer, a born again Christian, is a saint or a righteous man. Okay, you are the righteous man because of faith. But when a righteous man turns away from his righteousness, So a man was walking with Jesus, have relationship with Jesus, and one day turned away from his righteousness, turned away from Jesus, the righteousness of Jesus, denied Jesus. I don't want to have anything to do with Jesus, and commits iniquity, began to live a life of sin, 
and does according to all the abominations that the wicked man does. So in other words, he just walk away and start to walk like wicked people. Shall he leave? All the righteousness which he has done shall not be remembered. This is interesting statement. One part of the Bible say, once you believe in Christ, repent of your sin, all of your sins will be forgotten by God. He will not remember anymore. For example, if I go to Jesus right now and ask him, do you remember my sin when I was 16 years old? He say, what happened at 16 years old? What happened? It never happened. I, I don't remember. I don't remember what you did at 16 years old. At 17 years old, I did a lot of bad things. But God said, I don't remember. And the same thing, if you follow Jesus and you walk away from Jesus, you used to go to church, you used to do a lot of good things, and you walk away and start to do wicked ways. God said, I remember those things no more. All the money you give to church, all the mission trip you do, everything that you did for God for maybe 10 years before you left Jesus, all forgotten by God. That's what he said. He should not remember. It never happened. Because of the unfaithfulness of which he is guilty and the sin which he has committed, because of them, he shall die. Definitely, this is not talking about physical death because every man dies. Is that right? Every man will die one day. We all get old and die. This is talking about spiritual death. If a person used to walk with God and one day turn back and start to walk wickedly and follow abominations of the wicked people, deny God, refuse God, living in a wicked way, he shall Jesus said, apart from me, I never knew you. Look at another scripture. You see from the Old Testament, look at James chapter 5, verse 19. Brethren, if anyone among you wanders from the truth, what does it mean, wanders? Wanders from. For example, I live in Seattle, and one day I just wander from Seattle to Waikiki Beach <laughs> to Hanama Bay and snorkeling over there. I wander from Seattle. What does it mean? I used to be in one place. I wander out of that place to another place. So this person in James, or not only that, if you notice, James chapter 5 verse 19, when James wrote this scripture, he did not call, hey guy, hi, Mr. So-and-so. He said, brethren, whom was he talking to? He was talking to the Christian in the local church. He said, brethren, sister, brethren, sister in Christ, if anyone among you, this is what happened in the church, wanders from the truth and someone turns him back. Mean that if somebody starts to walk away from the truth, walk away from Jesus, the truth is Jesus. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. And if you warn him, look at verse 20. Let him know that he who turns a sinner. Now, James called that man who was a righteous man, the brethren in Christ, who turned away from the truth. Now he calls sinner. He didn't call a righteous man anymore. He's a sinner. From the error of his way will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sin. 
Amen. So, in conclusion, James wrote a letter to a local church. Say, brother, sister, if you, one of you, walk away, wander from the truth, you walk away from Jesus, and somebody warned you, he will save you from death, from going to hell. Can Christians lose salvation? Yes. The Bible says that. Save you from death. Not physical death. It's a spiritual death. Amen? That's why when somebody starts to act up in the church in the wrong way, instead of go along and agree and just flow with that sin, you should warn right away, this is not right. Don't do this. We need to warn them because they're going to go deeper and deeper. Eventually, they may lose their salvation in walking that way. We need to warn people right away. But if they don't listen, I'm going to show you the scripture later on. Somebody will not listen and go that direction. Amen? So, James chapter 5, verse 19 and 20 is clear that Christians can wander from the truth and eventually never turn back to God and go into hell. Look at another scripture. Are you enjoying this? Okay. Proverbs chapter 21, verse 16. Let me read from New King James Version first. I think I will stop here and then continue next Sunday. Proverbs 21, 16. A man who wanders from the way of understanding will rest in the assembly of the dead. Amplified Bible say, A man who wanders out of the way of understanding shall abide in the congregation of the spirits of the dead. A man who used to walk with God, go to church, serve God, have position in the church, one day wanders away from the understanding, from the truth, from the way of God, and start to walk in lawlessness, walk away from the way of God, practice lawlessness. That man, the spirit, will be in the congregation of the spirit of the dead. Where is that place? the eternal lake of fire. Next Sunday, you will hear from the scripture that this group of people will be in the worst place in the eternal lake of fire than the unbelievers. Because God said, you already know the truth, but you despise me by walking away and began to commit sin. You're going to be put in the worst place in the eternal lake of fire than the unbeliever. Worst situation. It's very scary. I need to teach this to vaccine all of you. When you wake up every morning, could you please check your heart attitude? That are you still loving Jesus? Are you walking in obedience? Are you playing game with God? Are you playing with sin and you don't care anymore what God thinks? You should check your heart every single day. One thing I want to say, I am not the judge. I cannot say whoever listened to this sermon or whoever in this room who will go to heaven and who will not go to heaven. I'm not the judge. I cannot say you are saved or you are not saved. It's only God can say you are saved or not. But looking at the scripture, it's pretty clear. What kind of person Jesus would say on the last day, I know you and I never know you. It's your own responsibility to walk in a way that on the last day, Jesus will say, I know you. Come in 
to the kingdom of heaven. Come in and rejoice with your Lord. It's your own responsibility. You cannot blame the pastor. You cannot blame any any other people in the church. Your own responsibility to walk with God. Amen. We all make decision every single day. For me and my house, we'll walk with the Lord. Let me conclude one last thing before I finish. I want to talk to the parents in this room. Salvation is not only about you, but you need to think about your kids. One of the main reasons that next generation, your kids, the teenager, will walk away from God and have nothing to do with Jesus and with church is hypocrisy. Hypocrisy. If you act like you're a Christian at the church, but you go home and you act another way, I can guarantee your kids will see it and they will one day say, you know, this is stupid. You guys go to church, but you act another way. I'm not going to follow this. I'm not going to follow Jesus that you talk about. I mean, no, no, no. Once I leave my house, I'm gone. I'm not going to go back to church anymore. That's why I and Pastor Da really careful about what we say in the car, about other pastors, about other churches, about other ministries, about other Christians. Can you imagine? If I and Pastor Da talk in the car in front of our kids, you know that pastor is bad. He's a bad guy. When my kids heard that, oh, okay, pastors are hypocrites. You know what? Are they going to go to church? No. You're killing your own kids by saying that. I heard a lot of things in the world about different ministers. But you know, I'm not going to attack anybody because I care about the eternity of my kids. I'd rather inject the positive thing about God into my kids and let them hear the positive thing. Don't be used by the devil to talk negative, to use your mouth to kill your own kids, not to go to heaven. I just want to talk to parents here because the devil is so cunning. He will do everything. If he cannot get you to go to hell, he will get your kids to go to hell by your behavior. I will fight the good fight of faith not to let my kids go to hell and my grandkids and great-grandkids. I will do everything to love the church, love brother and sister, walk in a godly way to save my kids because your actions speak louder than your words. Amen? It's so important. Eternity. It's heavy one. So don't go out for vacation next Sunday. I remember all of you who are sitting here. Don't try to stay away from me next Sunday. Next Sunday is going to be heavier. So please come back. Don't use any excuses to stay away from the church next Sunday. <laughs> oh, man. Let me ask this question before we close. Any one of you say, I just want to make sure after I leave this world, I will spend eternity in heaven. I don't want to go to hell. Actually, I believe that to go to heaven and to have salvation is so easy. Easiest thing to do. To lose salvation is very difficult. 
Even I preach like this, I actually I believe that to lose your salvation is very very difficult to lose your salvation. Don't take me wrong. Okay, it has to be very clear. Like Judas is carried on, or somebody who walk away from God and start to do a lot of bad things. But to lose salvation is very difficult. But to gain salvation is so easy and simple. To do what? To say, God, I'm a sinner. I admit that I lie. I have bad attitudes. I've sinned in my life. I have done wrong against you. And now I believe that God. You love me so much. You sent Jesus Christ to die for me on the cross, and I want to receive that gift, that Christ died for me. He paid for my sin. And Jesus said, "I'm knocking at the door, and if anyone hears my voice and open the door, I will come in." So you just simply say, "God, today I repent of my sin. I want to be reconciled to you, Jesus." Come into my life. Very simple. I did that 27, 28 years ago. Very simple. And after that, God helped me all along this year. I just make a decision to follow God. God helps me. He helps me. I don't need to do it myself. I just make decision to walk with God, and God helps me all this year. How many people want to spend eternity in heaven and believe in Jesus? Raise your hand up. Raise your hand up. Amen. Why don't we pray together? Amen. We pray together that Jesus will come into our life. Jesus said, "If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that I am Lord and Savior, I was raised from the dead on the third day, you shall be saved. Saved from sin, saved from demon, saved from sickness, saved from poverty, and saved from hell." Let's pray. Let's speak out loud. Bow your heads, close your eyes, and say. Father in heaven, I admit, Lord, that I am a sinner. But today, I come to you in repentance. I ask you, Lord, for forgiveness. I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that Jesus Christ is the Son of the Living God. He is my Lord and my Savior. He was raised from the dead on the third day. Lord Jesus, come into my life right now to be my Lord. I want to follow you. Give me, Lord, your grace, your Holy Spirit, your power to walk in love. And in obedience toward you, I believe, Father. From today, I am called a saint, a righteous person by the blood of Jesus Christ. And I believe my name is recorded in the book of life. Lord Jesus, help me. To follow you to the end, that I will not lose my salvation. I will read the Bible. I will spend time talking to you. I will go to church. I will be faithful and serve you 
in Jesus mighty name amen amen let's give a mighty hand to God amen thank you Lord Jesus congratulations for those who accept Jesus Christ amen thank you Lord Jesus hallelujah how many people want to make sure that you'll follow God to the end and go to heaven raise your hand those who want to do that stand up I'd like to pray for you that God will help you to the end the Bible say he will keep you strong to the end so that you will be free from all blame on the day when our Lord Jesus returns father in heaven I pray Lord that you will keep your people in this church to the end. Father, I pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit will remind them of the scriptures, will protect them, will help them to walk with you, not to walk away from you, to wander away from the truth and understanding. Father, I pray that 99.9% or even 100% of the members of this church and whoever stand in the room right now that come to visit us will make it to the last day to eternal heaven of yours Father and they will not only go to heaven but they will have a lot of rewards in heaven they will have the crown of righteousness the cloud of glory oh Lord I pray that the blood of Jesus Christ will protect them from demonic activities, from the lies and deception of the enemy, that no one will end up to be like Judas' father. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. God bless all of you. Amen. The Lord loved you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Turn to each other and say, I am saved. I'm saved for sure. We trust this message has ministered to you. If you would like more information about New Hope International Church or other teaching series, please contact us at 206-275-1042 or visit our website online at www.newhopeinternationalchurch.org. You may also write to us at the following address, New Hope International Church, 9170 Southeast 64th Street, Mercer Island, Washington, 98040. Thank you very much.